0: Women's Eye Be well.
1: Podcasts of the women's IP world. Maybe you can feel me smiling right now. We are celebrating and shining the spotlight on women working in intellectual property law and innovation. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I'm the co-founding partner of the law firm Envitem IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life, and we are based out of the US in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Norton's Media PR and Marketing Limited based out of the UK in London. They are the publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix magazine. In today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Laura Calada from the Dumont firm in Mexico. Laura is the managing partner of this firm, which was founded in 1940. I would imagine the makeup of this firm has changed quite a bit since then. We will be discussing her latest and very timely article in the Women's IP World Annual, which is now available to read and in audio format at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com. But first, Laura, tell us more about you and your career
2: journey. Hi, Michelle. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, this is my first podcast, so I'm a a bit nervous, but, uh, um, it is a very good experience to start with this new technology with a, a very close friend. Well, my journey has been an exciting ride to say the least. Um, I started uh, law school, and uh, I wanted to work. And uh, at that time in college, we didn't have the subject of intellectual property in the roster, okay, or the syllabus. But I was looking for a job, like like an intern, and I got a recommendation for starting on an IP law firm. I didn't know a single thing about a trademark or a patent or transfer of technology or things like that. And, uh, well, I went for an appointment. Um, uh, they picked me up in, we were very, a lot of candidates for the position. And I started working at that law firm and I fell in love with, with the IP world. So, um, I finished a career, I went for, for a master's degree and, um, uh, I went outside IP and went for, for, um, international commerce but I always was missing intellectual property. And then I returned to work in the Mexican patent and trademark office. That the real thing, it's the place where I learned the most. When you work at a national office, you have so many uh, different cases that what you learn, the um, experience that you get there is what made me like really fall in love with this subject and um, like making a promise of myself to make it better in Mexico. And also we were very few women at that time. So after I left the Mexican patent and trademark office, I was hired, uh, by Dumont to start the litigation, um, um, area because they, they were only filing at that time.
1: Um, what, what time period was that? Do you remember about when?
2: like ninety seven, ninety-six, around that. Okay. And uh when I arrived to the Dumont uh firm, um it was it was a new world for me. In a new and a new world that until today I believe that it's another thing that IP gives you. It, in many ways it was a cultural shock. Um because we we're friends, you know the story about uh Dumont Bergman Bieter that was called at that time like that was established by Jewish people fleeing from World War II. So my first day in the office, I saw people in wheelchairs, in crutches, very old people that speak so many languages, French, German, Polish. And I was, what's happening here? No, like I really didn't know what was about it. Then I learned all the story of how the firm was established and that we have a lot of Jewish people working at the office uh, that flee from Europe and didn't have any family at all. So it was basically a family. And I completely integrated with that family. When I started in Dumont in the in the 90s, it was very, very funny because they they gave um, Christian holidays and they gave Jewish holidays. So we had a lot of vacations at that time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sounds oh, very
2: nice it was very nice. it was difficult to understand, but also, I was very fortunate to land to say it in a way uh, in a firm that it was so good and with such a good reputation worldwide so um the son of the founder took me under his wing and he let me be to say it in a way everything that I wanted to do if I put a plan together and see which would be the final objective, he allowed me to do it. And we start growing. And then also, you know that Jose passed away in very young and very unexpectedly. And all of a sudden, I was in charge of one of the most important law firms in Mexico. Before that, I have had in other jobs problems being a woman because for example, I have a professor that said that why should he train women if they we were going to put our license near the the the, the crib and things like that, or trying to get into law offices that they didn't have um, how do you say there's a parity in salaries and so on So when I landed in Dumont and because the way that it was established and the values that this firm and this family had uh, they they like to empower women. Um, the name is Dumont Bergman Bider. And Bider was uh, was a woman that she passed two years ago at 102 years old that was the first um, medical Jewish medical woman doctor in Mexico. And she was in charge of all the medical devices and many of the Medicines that we were uh, filing for the patent. So since
1: Lara, weren't you didn't, is this, is this the birthday party that you threw when she turned 100? Yes. Is that for her?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, there are some, some pictures in, on Facebook and mm-hmm. uh, she was really an inspiration in so many ways. Um, but that shows how close
1: you were to the family. You, As, <laughs> you
2: planned that party, <laughs>
1: not her family. You planned that party.
2: Yes, because That's uh, it was a, um, Michelle and, and, and a milestone to say it in a way. And she mm-hmm. had so many experiences and she was a hardworking woman because someone could believe that when you become so wealthy, because they became very, very wealthy in Mexico, you would stop working. And she was active until she was 95, Okay. Mm-hmm. so wow. um she was uh really a role model so um being in an office that empowers women make easier things for me for me to follow a path and empower other women um in my office um there's uh, inclusion diversity salary parity everything we We are trying to set an example in Mexico with so many uh, things that we have uh, about gender. It's very difficult in Mexico. We we want to set an example that a law firm, men and women are treated equally in every single way. So that's my journey. And uh, it has been a a very exciting ride. I became a managing partner through a lot of work, but also through a lot of when my, one of my best friends passed away, you know, and uh, and I also without huge responsibility to always hold the reputation and the very good name that this family and firm had both in Mexico and worldwide. So and you basically
1: grew up in this firm. I mean, from yes. an IP from your IP background. On one hand, you had a great mentor, but on the other hand, he gave you the space to spread your wings and become your own attorney.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, I was very fortunate because after some experiences I have have had in my past of uh, a lot of, uh, uh, how could I say this? Uh, Situations with machism in Mexico and people in the law field not believing in women and whatever. uh, I met a guy that believed completely in women and I spread my wings, and I made the most out of it. Because also, I tried to to make it make it the most out of it. Because it was a huge opportunity in a country like ours. So that's my story. And I'm I worked a lot, but I'm also very grateful that I was in the in the precise moment in the precise time. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I can relate a bit because uh, my father, when I worked for Welsh and Cats. He used to, he was very proud that he had two daughters that both became lawyers and he would say that, that they were homegrown. I I recall that was something (laughs) that he he used to say quite a bit. So I can, I can really relate. And I think it's so important for the women listeners and for the male listeners out there as well. uh, It's really important to have that mentor, but, but still that you're allowed to, to grow.
2: but also but also michelle if you have a great mentor you have to do the work you have to walk the talk you have to uh, study and learn and uh, expose yourself in the market doing good things and um, with the clients having a a good relationship and uh, being responsive and so on so I'm very thankful of my circumstance, but I have worked very, very hard also.
1: Oh, yes. And I think that uh, most of us would probably say we've had to work harder. um, And in many cases, to get less. So then we have to work even harder just to match. So, you know, I I know, of course, a bit about your background, Laura. We've been friends for like decades now, (laughs) I dare (laughs) say. But, um... This this truly is one of one of the many things that amazes me about you, that you are one of only two women in Mexico that hold a managing partner position in an IP firm. Have you leveraged that success through all of your hard work in that position to help other women in the IP field, whether at Dumont or elsewhere?
2: Um, I, I have tried as hard as possible, Michelle. First of all, I think that everything starts at home, okay, to say it anyway, and home is my office. So at the office, we have almost uh, the same amount of women and men. We have women in important positions in the office. We have supported them to go for training, courses, a master's degree, and so on. Uh, we are... We have been doing a lot of work in in training all our staff, from lawyers to janitors, about gender inclusion and diversity, and through that um, experience and knowledge, empower women. So, in, at the at the office, we have salary parity we we've broken the glass ceiling we we have people that represent us on many of the conferences um at the office basically any men or women have the same exact opportunities and on the other hand i have mentored a lot of women in mexico to get your your degree you have to make a thesis okay so i have uh help Many of the women lawyers at the office with their theses, and uh, and I tried to mentor them as much as possible. And outside um, the office, uh, like five years ago, uh, with our Mexican Association of Intellectual Property Lawyers, the association was 50 years old, and uh, they didn't have a women's committee or gender inclusion and diversity committee. And I convinced the, the, the association to establish it. That I was the first president of the committee, and we were first called Women's Committee, and today it's called um, Inclusion and Diversity Committee. And uh, what we're doing is just doing baby steps, trying to sensibilize our colleagues and our peers about inclusive language. Giving the same time type of opportunities. And we also give a lot of workshops you know, to mentor younger younger lawyers, female lawyers. So I try to do everything that I'm available and try to support women empowering and striving in their careers, you no? Know?
1: Mm-hmm. Understood. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll continue this discussion in a moment.
0: The Women's IP World Annual is the industry's first intellectual property law magazine that celebrates professional women working in IP, IP law, and innovation globally. We are very proud to provide a profile platform for women working in intellectual property and innovation by shining a spotlight on their expertise and professional knowledge in their respective fields of operation in IP through engaging thought leadership content. Our annual publication has caught the eye of many IP associations from all over the world. More importantly, it has attracted a cocktail of awe-inspiring, knowledgeable women who are happy to share their professional and personal experiences of working in the industry. If you would like to be part of the Women's IP World Annual, we would love to shine a light on your professional industry experience. You can contact us on plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email us at info at womensipworld.com. Make sure to check out The latest issue of the Women's IP World Annual at www.womensipworld.com. The Women's IP World Annual. We are celebrating women in IP, IP law, and innovation globally.
1: Okay, let's jump into your article. I think most of us would empathize with the title of your article. A year that never started has come to an end.
2: (laughs) Michelle. Um... I love that this first Pascat is with you because we lived it together, okay? We
1: did. Yes, um, we did.
2: You are part of the article and you know who you are in the article. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we we experienced uh, last March together in many ways, you no? Know? Many of the people that know know us together know that we're friends and we plan to go to restaurants or theaters or whatever. That besides working very hard at conferences, we try to enjoy ourselves. And um I was a non-believer. I really thought that this was going to be like H1 n one, it would be a couple of weeks, or I thought it was a big fat flu, and that was it. I never thought last march that we would be one year in quarantine as it has happened in mexico city you know
1: and and let's put this in perspective for you you know most of most of the people that know you they know that you're an avid traveler right mm-hmm. so how many conferences we'll just take conferences not vacation time of course but conference wise how many would you attend in a typical year
2: around 12.
1: Okay. So spread around the year, probably concentrated in certain areas, but certainly by March, you're traveling, right?
2: By March, I've been usually in SIDMAP, PTM, PTMG, Marks, and probably if there's an APLA event in the beginning of the year, I would go, I would attend. So by March, I have traveled, or in March, I have traveled three or four times.
1: Okay, so let's take us back to February okay, okay. You were anticipating to have a typical year of travel and you were gearing up for the first big round of conference Ex- exactly Is that
2: right exactly. I have my tick- my airplane tickets booked my my hotels made my client meetings. I was going to be a speaker. I have already all my presentation, ready all my presentation. I I was ready just to go to the airport and catch the plane, okay? I was ready. The, the suitcase was the only thing that was missing, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, So then
1: what happened?
2: Then, then what happened? Uh, <laughs> well, first stop was was London, okay? And we start hearing all these weird stories about what was happening in London and this new virus that was really awful and people got very sick and it was very contagious. And uh, we started speaking among friends, okay? Many of the people of our audience will know who we are, okay? Because we are always tag along together. Do we go? No, we should cancel. No, you are... We, nothing will happen. No, but let's cancel this or this, cancel that. And it started like a snowball, growing and growing. And first, we have a very close friend that she was the first one to pull out and say, I'm canceling everything. And no, you, you're afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. It was this situation in so many opinions. A lot of people say nothing will happen. A lot of people were really scared of what was happening. And I think that because I was not a believer that this was going to be a pandemic, I was very disappointed of not traveling. But in two weeks, all my emotions and all my knowledge of this changed. It was very funny because right now they're appearing on the Facebook memories all the memes that we had at that time, okay, <laughs> and from one way, one day to the other, everything was changing, okay. From not knowing anything, anything, to have your your phone full of information of COVID, okay, and from having a trip of twenty days to cancel everything and stayed in Mexico, okay, and and
1: and and right before takeoff, pretty much. I mean, it was within days of the conference starting.
2: Probably you you remember that there were a couple of friends that Mm -hmm. they actually flew to London and they they were stuck in London and it was very difficult for them to return. Mm -hmm. So that week was like a week from hell because I think that the most important thing is that we really knew so little about the virus and so little about what was going to happen that for many of us, it was a surprise that... Things were happening so quickly that your mind could not accept so many facts, no? People dying, getting really, really sick, uh, very contagious, that you didn't know know how you get it. Do you use the mask or you don't use it? The mask is for the sick people. No, the mask is for the the people that are healthy. It was mayhem. It was crazy.
1: Constant contradiction.
2: Constant contradiction, exactly. So. It was the first time that, well, not not the first time. It it was like 10 or 11 years ago. I remember it was in Seattle 10 years ago or something like that. It was H1N1, okay? And it started in Mexico called the flu, And it was just a couple of weeks of not a completely quarantine. And we traveled to the States and nobody wanted to say hello to the Mexicans, okay? It was very, very fun. But I thought that it was going to be like that, okay? couple of weeks, and everything would return to normal. Well, no. At least, um, I think that in every single jurisdiction it has, it has been different, but uh, here there are a lot of things to explain. In In, in Mexico, our, our government took a lot of time to understand how serious this was, okay? And many of the businessmen and businesswomen did have a lot of information. So a lot of people, not because the authority was asking for it, we were closing and sending our people to quarantine because we thought that it was important to take care of the people. So we were from the IP Mexican world, the first or the second that uh send everyone to home office.
1: Okay. So let's talk about that.
2: So you're, you're,
1: finally coming to terms that your meetings are, are, this is something bigger. This is something bigger than the swine flu. Uh, And your trips are being canceled. And yet you're running a a large practice in Mexico city. How many, how many employees are are you now worried about?
2: 95.
1: 95. So 95 95 people and their families.
2: And their families. Yep.
1: Okay and and your office is set up like a traditional law firm office where people come to work for the day and then go home. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. Okay. So how <laughs> I mean imagine like a switch. Right? You said within a week, right? A Mexico
2: lockdown. In a week, Michelle, we went from working every single one of us at the office to every single one of us working at home, okay? And there were a lot of reasons, okay? First, we didn't know anything about the virus. Second, our government was taking too much time and decided what what they were going to do. Uh, We had the first cases in Mexico, and the first cases in Mexico, everybody was dying of the the virus. So um, it was like, okay, what do we do to go to... uh, to home office and online everything and whatever we had been working a lot in uh, uh, technological tools to work from home. Um, the Mexican patent and trademark office had a lot of tools online. So imagine that at least half of the work was done. Okay, but then um, many people know it. Mexico is a, a country of contrast, and uh, from at that time we were our, where we were hundred. Um, you don't know which type, type of computers they have, which platforms they have, which software they have. So the first thing that we have to learn is how we are going to connect everyone from home. Are their computers and systems and uh, software good enough? So the first thing is we ask every single one at the office to bring their computer to the office to be reviewed you know, and analyzed and so forth. So by the end of the day, we had to buy 25 equipments, okay? 25 computers of our personal were not good enough to work online, okay? Because uh, we have people that from the, different um, socio-economical standards, and uh, probably they had a very old computer that would not support all the technology that we were going to use. So Not only so- that,
1: but we also have to remember that, you know, client records, the confidentiality yeah, yeah. required
2: yeah. in the system. Those things, we were going to do it through uh, software and agreements with the people and so on, okay? So the first thing that we do is we bought 25 equipments to lend to our employees to be able to to work from home. The second step was software. Software with um, the most strict standards of confidentiality and firewalls and so on. And uh, that was set in about. 48 hours, okay? Then it was, okay, what we are going to do with the patent and trademark office if we don't know what they're going to do. So we decided that everything that it's, it could be done online would be done online, no more paper, okay? That's it. Um, so imagine that we were still doing like 50% of, 15% of the work on paper. From one week to another, it went to two or three percent okay so then we start we sent everyone home, especially the people that had to go on public transportation to the office, okay because we thought that 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 was the riskier situation, okay? There are people in, Mex- Mexico is a huge city and, and, and people sometimes change public transportation two or three times to arrive to the office, okay? Because it's so big and they live so far away from the office. So the first people that we sent home was the, the ones that um, uh, use public transportation. And uh, we tried to to take care, care of them and uh, even if uh, they didn't were not doing a lot of how do you say, actual work, that they were like janitors and people like that. We send them home and you will receive your full salary, but stay home. And then we started like sending teams to their home and making some tests. By that Friday, everything was running smoothly. Okay. Next week, we had some issues about very, very technical issues like how good are were their connections depending on the neighborhood because everything was running slow or in or something and people were taking out of the software and so on. But like in two or three weeks we were all we were all as if we were in the office. But for the, the first week by Friday we were all in our office. That was March 14. That it was, it was a Saturday, Saturday. yeah.
1: And, you know, what I hear, additional computers, paying staff without hesitation, uh, no pay cuts. I hear big financial commitment.
2: Um, it was, Michelle, it was really a huge financial commitment. But um, something else that happens in the office is that I have people working at Dumont for 30 and 40 years, okay? And uh, the younger people are five, 10 years. So when you have a team that is so good and so supportive of so many situations, you have to, in a way, when something like this, also support your team and be very conscious that the economical situation in Mexico was going to turn very badly. And uh, we decided at the office that the most important thing was To keep up working, but the second thing, okay, clients were first. The second thing was our team, we were going to take care of them. Because from one moment to the other, things get really horrible in Mexico. You heard about hospitals at full, uh, people dying, no medicines available. It was really awful. And also, like a couple of weeks later, the Mexican Patent and Trademark Office closed. Completely, even the technological tools for, I think, three or four weeks. So basically we were working and we were not able to, to invoice anything because we were doing the legal work, but we were not able to file. And from the legal point of view, if you don't file, it's as if nothing has happened. Okay. Right, so because the,
1: the Mexican patent and trademark office actually shut down.
2: It shut down completely. Not not even the technological tools were available. You were not able to file a trademark. You were not able to file anything at all. It shut shut down completely for three weeks or four, I don't remember.
1: So therefore you could do the work, but you couldn't file. And that meant you couldn't actually invoice the client.
2: Exactly, exactly. So that
1: means delay in payment.
2: It meant delay in payment. And also, I think that, Many of us have had a very emotional journey through the pandemic, okay? Because every time, every single day that I, w- I woke up is, what I'm going to do today? How I'm going to pay the rent, the, the payroll, and all the other um, expenses that are involved? No, it's what I'm going to do. How many months can I Take this, okay, without invoicing, okay?
1: I mean, you're the mother of this firm, okay? You have 95 children, or or we could say, you know, in flight terminology, souls, okay? Uh-huh. And then multiply that because there are people depending on those people, those Dumont people. So we're yeah. talking about a, an exponential increase in the amount of people that you are now taking care of. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, not just all your puppies at home. You know, oh, no, that's true. I think that something that I have always had is that uh, when when I have this much responsibility, I think that my mind's work works better. However, emotionally and morally, I was completely exhausted. Okay, because at least a month or a month and a half. We were not receiving any money, and I was paying all the employees, okay, in full. Yes. When it starts, it started changing, but still, we we were. I would never say in a weak financial position, but very, very tight. Um, I agree with my employees that if I could decrease the salary, on if until the um, Mexican Patent and Trademark Office. Reopen again, and they agree. They they told me uh, we want to keep our job, we want to keep the firm running, and we will accept accept a decrease a decrease of a, of a salary until it op- opens again. Imagine having almost a hundred people and everybody saying yes, yes, we will accept it. Okay, because I, it's not a decision that I took in my desk. I I called all the people to the office with masks and whatever by groups, okay? Started very early in the morning, and we had groups of 10 discussing this. And the whole staff said, yes, we go for a a decrease in our salary, but the important thing is that we survive the situation. And when the Mexican Patent Drugmark Office, the day that it reopened, I... Um, start paying as normal okay and they really appreciated it because we all were very tight and it was as this is as extreme a measure okay that i rewarded in december with a extra bonus okay but we took all these measures but it was not only me as a managing partner Um, we had a lot of communication between all of us even the janitors michelle because As you say, they they are the souls, and I'm taking care of those souls. Imagine that a regular, normal family in Mexico is four or five people. If I have 100 people, 500 people were depending on me, okay? So we took a lot of decisions together, okay? And we succeed. Let me tell you that probably in the States it's different and in many other countries it's different, but Mexico shut down for months, okay? Nothing was open. There was uh, many months that we have whole quarantine. You could not go out of your home, okay? You could go to the supermarket, to the pharmacy, and that's it, okay? So the restaurant industry is completely broken. The malls are all uh, losing all their leases and they look like phantom cities. The economical situation in Mexico is awful, and because all the measures that we're taking in a very how could I say it uh, community cooperative way, we're striving again, and we don't have one single problem. We I don't know a single penny to anybody, and we're striving again. And I'm not saying that we're not growing, but we are strong as a company. We service all the clients with quality and without delay and responsive way. And we're here standing strong. And I, I cannot say that of, about many firms, okay? They, they didn't take all the measures at the moment that they were required and many of them experienced a lot of, 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 of problems.
1: This bond, right, that Dumont achieved with its personnel, Would you say that's at least some benefit that came out of 2020?
2: Um, Let me tell you that we have always tried to have very good bonds with our our personal, And that's the tradition in DuMont since I was not there. Okay. Personal, it's important in DuMont's philosophy. But today I think that people because I praise them a lot and I recognize all the efforts that they've done. And let me tell you, there were months that we were, uh, more efficient working from home than in, from the office, because at the, at the office we measure everything. Okay. Everything is measured on a, on a monthly basis. So people were being more efficient at home than in the office. So I praise them and whatever. So, and there's a lot of communication at the office. So I think that people feel closer, and it's a difficult word to use, but probably more loyal to the office because they felt that we were taking care of them and and their families. And uh, I can tell you that today, they're all happy that they work in DuMont. And I'm happy that I have the team that I have and that we're successful. And uh, I think that in the future, we don't know what's going to happen because, like, everybody is thinking that he, this has finished, but it hasn't. Vaccination in the world is not going at the same rate, for example, in the States. The figures this week were that a hundred, more than 100 million people have been vaccinated in the States. In Mexico, we have people with two doses. 600,000, with one dose, 4 million. And go throughout Latin America and is that, that way. In Europe, not in the countries are vaccinating at the same rate. So I think that we can still think or believe that this year will be pretty much like 2020. So one of my goals this year is, look, we, we're not in quarantine right now. We are in a soft quarantine, to say it in a way. But it's to take the spirits of, of the personal of the company high and to make them resilient because I think that resilience isn't the, the game of the name of the game today
1: you know how people talk about the new normal right we keep talking about the new normal for me personally I feel like it's come to mean change with very little notice
2: right I would agree on that Michelle. But but we don't know which, which what is going to be the new normal because this is this is not come to an end. But but right. So
1: we're still in it. So our normalcy is that we keep changing. That that is the normalcy. And can we pivot fast enough to keep up?
2: Uh, I agree with I agree with you. And the people that achieve that will be successful. It's the right? only to be adaptable is one of the most important assets in 2021. Adaptability, if that's the word in English, okay?
1: It is. And you also mentioned a word earlier, resiliency, and I think that is very important for the survival of everyone in their in 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 their jobs right? Can, as things change, can they pivot? So to speak, do they have the resiliency to adapt to the new rules, the the new way we have to live today? I want to know what, uh, the, what 2021 is going to look like for Dumont. Are people back in the office? What's the plan? You mentioned efficiency actually has, has been great, um, at home so what is what is the environment gonna look for look like in
2: dumont well as I told you, we are in a soft quarantine right now mm-hmm. um and uh, people are returning to the office, but we have decided that we will return june July depending on the vaccination rate in mexico okay um the age average at the office is thirty eight thirty nine okay so Uh, that range of age will be vaccinated until June, July. So what we don't have is a population at the the office of some some people that are vaccinated and others are not vaccinated. And we have a lot of younger people. So uh, what we are looking for is that we will return, even if the government allows us to return by the beginning of March, we will be returning full staff to the office June, July. Once more, just to take care uh, of our personnel and their families. Um, we have now like a couple of people of every single department, a couple of people from chambers a couple of people from uh, Patents and so on, at the office, just like helping people at home if they require something and so on. Um, we are investing much more in software and things like that to make easier to, to work at home and more rapidly and so on. And uh, because things have changed so much, and I think this has happened in every single country in the world, we've seen that we don't need such a big office, okay? And many people are asking that if when this um, finishes, if they could still work at least a couple of days at home. I think that the pandemic has changed this issue worldwide. So we are also exploring with our human resources department, how we will be able to get there, okay? I think that we have proven that you don't need to be at the office to be efficient and professional and responsive and so on. So we are planning that even that we expect expect to get to the office full staff in June or July, uh, we will start working at least one day, home office, to, for personal and for people have been great, okay? They, way beyond the pandemic, um, I think that a lot of people have enjoyed being with their family, with their kids and so on. So people, are a little bit reluctant in some cases to come back to the office but we also understand that such a huge office as the one that we have so much space is not required probably there was an old-fashioned value that the more the bigger and the fancier a law firm the better they were and i think it's it's not the same thing today i think that those old-fashioned values about the image that you give have changed completely. It's how efficient you are, how happy your people are, how professional they are. It doesn't matter where they work from. So um, so we those are our plans, but we're also doing a parallel plan to, to keep people working at home just for life balance, okay?
1: Understood, and I agree with that sentiment and what has been typical no longer and has been proven through this pandemic no longer applies and we adapt and we see some of these things glaringly, especially when we are business owners or shareholders in our law firms. Mm, Exactly. In closing, because we're actually out of time, I want you to... um, You know, this article about your personal journey, what are some of the takeaways you'd like to share with our audience with regard to your own personal journey through COVID-19?
2: Let me tell you that from the date that I wrote the article, today I have a couple of new things, no? It's about resiliency, adaptability, but there are some issues that right now I'm concerned also, like mental health issues, no? Um, Chicago has been, has been different, and so your experience is different, Michelle, but in Mexico, many people have stayed home for a year, okay? It's like you're a hermit or something like that, no? So, and by that, you
1: mean they literally have not left their home?
2: Yes, at least, for example, 10 times in a year, 20 times in a year, Wow. So 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 imagine the mental issues that right now we are also struggling in Mexico, people with depression, with anxiety and so on. So I think that this year has made us understand a lot of things. So we are a community and uh probably this will not be liked by a lot of people. I hate anti-vacciners, hate people that are not going to be vaccinated because they are going to put different DNA or GPS or Pure stupidity, and that's the word. We, we are a community worldwide, and we have to help to stop this. The more people that take care of themselves, wear a mask, and get vaccinated, this will end earlier. So so right now, I'm like a little bit grumpy against people that that do not want to get vaccinated and do not wear a mask, okay? So, so there's this anger in me of people that are not understanding humankind as a community, okay? We are a community worldwide, so we have to work on the community. Second, and we have spoken about this, is one has to keep strong and develop new um, things like discipline and adaptability and resilience because it's the only way to um, encounter this new path that we have. And uh, I'm about, we were was, was saying about the new normalcy, I really don't know what that is. Okay. Because we have had a year in which things change from one day to the other. When we think that we know everything from COVID, there are new these new, uh, how do you say it, strains, and the different types mm-hmm. of viruses? Yeah, the, the variants. The, the variants.
1: variants.
2: Yeah. And, and they, they are more aggressive and more contagious. So. So I think that we also have to do a lot of inner reflection. How can I be a better human being with my family, with my uh, co-workers, with my colleagues and so on? And I have to return to the basics of the human being being in community, okay? And that has become very important for me. The sense of community. We will only go out of this... As as we recognize that we need each other's effort to survive this, that's, I think that it was my journey from a non-believer to a complete believer in human community.
1: And it's been interesting too, because since we're not seeing each other at the conferences, we have found various ways to still connect with each other, even if not in person. And that, I think, is a great tribute to the relationships that we've made in the IP community. Very strong area. I don't know that so many areas of the legal practice worldwide are like that.
2: But just to return to the very beginning of uh, the podcast, Michelle, one thing that IP gives everybody is great friends, but also a peak to so many different cultures, religions, ways of being, traditions. And uh, I think that is something that, I don't know why it happens, probably because of the conferences and the different people that attend them, but you create these very close feelings to friends that are on uh, Iceland or Australia or Africa or whatever. And you understand what they're struggling Depending under jurisdiction, to say it in a way, under cultural um, surroundings and so on. So it's true. Um, the ties that we de- develop in this industry are amazing, and uh, we have kept them. Okay, in many ways, we we have zooms and calls and chats and whatever, and we try to keep them close.
1: Well, I look forward to the time when I can give you a big hug, Laura, and I want to thank you for participating in today's podcast.
2: Thank you very much, Michelle. It was my first one. I'm very happy that it happened with you. Me um, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm happy to be your first. And it was truly a delight to have you here on the show. To listeners, please like, follow, share with your friends, but also feel free to send comments and questions until we connect in person take good
2: care thank you bye bye
0: women's ip world the women's ip world you have been listening to the women's ip world annual podcast Hosted by Michelle Katz from Advitum IE, in Chicago, on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited.